Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of This Show is All About You for January 25th, 2021. I am your host, J.D.K. Winnikin. And uh, if you want to know more about me, you can go check out my website, wordsbyjdk.com, uh, and subscribe to this uh, this show as a podcast on whichever platform you prefer, pretty much. Uh, you can look it up under that title. This show is all about you. And uh, it's great to have you back again. And this show I have titled, Slow Your Roll, You Vulnerable Soul. And uh, there's a reason why I've called it that. Uh it, this week's topic is vulnerability, but it's it's building off of what I talked about last week, telling the truth. And last, if you listened to the last episode, uh, things got a little rushed towards the end, and uh, to say the least. And I had a lot to say. I put a lot into what I've been wanting to plan and wanted to talk about. Uh, and I had several friends and other listeners reach out with some really excellent feedback Uh saying, I was trying to write all these things down. You just kept dropping these things one at a time, one at a time, one after the other. You could do entire shows on like 10 sentences that you said. And I realized they were right. <laughs> and, and so part of the title, Slowing Your Roll, is actually for my benefit uh, to slow down a little bit because uh, there's plenty to talk about. And uh, so really where I want to start today is kind of building off of that telling the truth piece. You might remember I started the last show with a haiku I'm keeping that same haiku for this week's show in one particular uh, part of it. So I'll read it to you again. Uh, Between the truth and what I fear happening most sits all that matters. And it's that last line, sits all that matters, that I want to focus on uh, today. And so really what that line is, all that matters. Somebody asked me, what is it that sits there that's all that matters? Well, it's pretty much when we're trying to decide whether we need to tell the truth about something, it's all the choices that we have to make in that moment. It's the work, the emotions, the choices, the options that we have that can reveal something about ourselves that maybe we're afraid to reveal. We might discover something about ourselves that might be great, might not be. Uh, It's a chance to advocate for ourselves, which can be really scary. Uh, And putting ourselves forward and challenging our relationships, challenging ourselves to grow into a better version of us. You know, that's all. Just those types of things. That's all that's there. That's where vulnerability comes in. And it's a word that gets kind of a bad rap. Uh, Vulnerability is oftentimes translated as weakness. And we sometimes, especially when we hear it in terms of warfare, right? One of the things you don't want if you're involved in a war is to have a vulnerable flank, for example. Uh, Vulnerability is something you are supposed to end, something you are supposed to stop, something you are supposed to shore up. And, of course, what we're talking about in emotional intelligence is actually letting that vulnerability stay open and to step through it and to keep working from it on an emotional and intellectual level. Uh, And really what it comes down to is we cannot really get to know ourselves or connect with other people without it. And if we don't do it, eventually we wall ourselves off emotionally in particular over time, what's inside is going to die. Almost the, the way if you deprive a candle of oxygen, you can just slowly watch that flame disappear. Uh, that's what happens. That's been the truth of my experience. And I'm guessing and wondering um, if it's the truth of yours. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that today. Last week, we talked about telling the truth when it comes to facts and also that internal uh, truth that we're talking about. With facts, you know, There can be some vulnerability if you're debating facts with somebody. We've seen that recently. 
uh, in our country. And that can bring up vulnerability. You're challenging somebody who's held a long-held notion about something. That might be embarrassing for them. It might be difficult for you, the person who has the facts right, uh, to convey those. This happens a lot with historians, <laughs> which is my background. Uh, there's a lot of facts involved, as you would expect, and then a lot of correction back and forth. And sometimes, you know, particularly in writing, factual errors can be found in manuscripts that are outright embarrassing sometimes. And as we all know, when we feel vulnerable or if we feel like we've been wrong about something, uh, it can bring up a lot of emotion, fear, discomfort, frustration, embarrassment, defensiveness, wondering how you missed something. Right. Um, if it's ever happened to you before where you realize you've been pronouncing a word wrong forever, you know, or a term like fringe benefits, French benefits, <laughs> that could be that, or a sinking suspicion, which should be a sneaky suspicion. That's happened to me a lot. And all of a sudden, you, yeah, and you look around and go, how often have I said that out loud where I've been, you know, that's been incorrect. Those types of things can cause just, it's just a small sample of what that is, but if you really take this out on the factual side, this can have real long-term emotional effects. For example, in <clears throat> excuse me, in historical terms, I think of things like the lost cause myth about the Civil War. Right? The facts make clear, if you take a look at the facts of the Civil War, that the Civil War was fought over slavery and the effect that it had on the nation prior to 1861. And it was fought for those reasons. The facts make that abundantly clear. But this threatened enough groups during the war and after the war that a myth built up, the so-called lost cause, that the, the lost cause of the Civil War from the South's point of view was that they were fighting for states' rights under the Constitution, that it wasn't about slavery, it was about protecting Southern culture. Of course, the facts show that those things were built on slavery. So we're back to the same, the same issue. Over time, uh, people who were sympathetic with this lost cause idea erected statues to Confederate heroes, quote unquote, uh, usually in times when minority groups were gaining more rights. They posted these up as a way to show uh, defiance. And these commemorations of history, which is really what statues are, they aren't really history, they're commemorations of history, when they were put up and then recently when there have been efforts to take them down, the people who have defended them have defended them as history, cannot erase our history. Well, it's not erasing history. That's erasing a commemoration of a myth. And that's my larger point, is that without vulnerability and a willingness to hear facts, that's how myths get built. And myths, once they're entrenched, are really, really hard to dislodge. With no matter how many facts you bring to bear, I argue, I make up, this is because people find a lot of identity and a lot of emotional stability and comfort in these things, even if they're myths. So much so that when they're challenged, they can be angry or defensive. Saw it after World War II in Germany. A lot of my work as a historian was involved in that, where a lot of Germans were trying to explain to people after the war, well, yes, there were Nazis, but we weren't all part of what was going on, what the Nazis did. And certainly that's true, but a lot more, the facts show, were either directly involved or were okay enough with things to let them happen more than people really wanted to admit. And so that built up larger myths about what had gone on. And historians have spent years um, kind of taking on those myths and trying to challenge them. And those things are really, really tough for people to confront because 
national myths, national stories, and then personal stories, personal myths, are there because they bring us some sort of comfort. And I'm, I'm not immune to that at all. Um, so how then do we apply this, if we take this larger thing, to that internal truth, those things inside of us that we really know about? And I'm going to ask you to, to dig in a little bit uh, with me as we move forward here. So think of the things perhaps that you've learned in the last year or so, whether it's around politics, whether it's around uh, the anti-racism conversations that happened earlier this year, discussions about white supremacy, uh, what has come out of the Me Too movement, for example, these forced reckonings that we have all been uh, facing in this last year. And think of what has brought up the most discomfort in you of any of all of those things. And what I would suggest is wherever the discomfort comes, there's something indicative there uh, for you to take a look at and for me to take a look at. And it's important, and you see it, because chances are it's blocking something. It's blocking an ability to be honest with ourselves. It's blocking a chance to maybe connect with somebody else, to maybe experience a reconciliation or forgiveness, uh, something like that. And then pull it even further in and focus on the relationships that are most important to us spouse or a partner, your children, your parents, your friends, bosses, co-workers, even enemies that you have. What comes up there? Now, can you feel any stress about it? Me just talking about it, I can feel it. <laughs> I can feel it in my chest a little bit. I can feel it in my shoulder blades, in my eyes, in my forehead. And confronting it is what is that piece from the haiku, sits all that matters. That's the, what I'm talking about. This is the key for us to tell the truth to ourselves is that vulnerability. Vulnerability is the way for us to get to what matters there. And when we access it and when we're vulnerable, incredible things happen. So confronting it, it's not easy. It's not easy to identify. It's not easy to name. And it's not easy to process. It is not for the faint of heart. That's what's so ironic to me. Vulnerability is seen by so many as weakness, and to me, it seems to be the exact opposite. The most vulnerable people that I've met also are the bravest that I've met, are the ones who are strongest, who have the most emotional and mental spiritual clarity. And they are the least afraid. They are the least angry. They are the least defensive and prone to myth-making people that I have ever met. So to be vulnerable, what I'm suggesting here is to really confront and examine what are our internal myths and then being willing to step beyond them. And this can take time. Time to see, time to feel, time to figure out, time to work through. And it's hard because it involves risk. And that's a key part of that. Right? Because that tension in that sits all that matters is risk. When we tell the truth to ourselves, we risk shattering the illusions of what we've believed about ourselves. And there's fear about, well, what do you do next? If we're vulnerable with somebody we care about, we run the risk of that relationship changing. Or being threatened for a short period of time, depending on what we're talking about. But there's also the risk that it could get stronger as a result. Because risk involves not only the feelings 
of the things that we want to share, but also the consequences. And so if we risk that we have a problem, it's getting out of control, an addiction perhaps. We risk losing or having altered the relationships that are most important to us. But as I suggested earlier, when we don't do this, we just slowly sort of die inside. There's a reason why the cliche, the truth will set you free, is a cliche. Because it's true. <laughs> it will. However, consequences come with it. You know, so probably at this point you're wondering, okay, well, what's a practical example of both vulnerability and risk? And I'll put myself out here a little bit just as an example of that. Uh, both of vulnerability and risk. This is an interesting week for me. I'm, as you know, I'm a historian, and so I remember dates, you know, the way other people remember other things, <laughs> you know, uh, but dates of things. So I look back, I can remember what happened a year ago in my life pretty easily, particularly if it's a really um, significant event. This week is a really historical, sig historically significant week for me because about starting about 12 years ago, in this week, major changes started to happen in my life. Uh, I've, I've talked about before, I was really in an addictive, self-destructive cycle about 12 years ago. And I was hiding it from everybody who knew me, the closest people in my life to coworkers, uh, anybody else. And it was tearing me apart. I had no vulnerability inside me at all. So that oxygen of that flame was always reducing, reducing, reducing. And... About 12 years ago, all of a sudden, that all started to come to light. I could not hold on to it any longer, and things ungoverned by me brought these things to the surface. And then a couple years later after that, I finally, finally, still struggling, found the vulnerability and the bravery to ask for help. And there was a real risk to that. And the consequences of that were significant. I got the help that I asked for. I did. And I'm really grateful for that. But it came at a cost. In order to get that help, I had to leave my job and my career behind. My community, a lot of my friends, my support circle, my reputation. And all of that was really hard. Really hard. Because those were all things that I thought I absolutely could not live without. And that if I lost them, I would die. That had been what had kept me from being vulnerable and taking risks for years was that fear of rejection of people who mattered to me. The fear of if somebody really saw me, they wouldn't really care about me the way they said they did. There were a lot of myths going on in my mind. And when, I find, when all of this happened, the consequences were real, and yet they were short-term. In the long term, the benefits greatly outweighed the loss. So this is a good spot to kind of take a deep breath. Let's take a short little break, and I'll come back and tell you about the long term. And we'll talk about a few other things that maybe can give you some encouragement on this score. So we'll be right back on This Show is All About You. Stacey Heller is many things, entertaining yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolf, she's a fixer who gets things done with style. Practical, like Dr. Ruth. 
Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. Most of all, Stacy Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to stacyconnects.com. Stacy Connects, it's her superpower. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Welcome back, everyone, to This Show is All About You. I am your host, J.D.K. Winnikin, uh, a show that is in which you and me become we and what that means for all of us. And we left off before the break uh, talking about short-term risks and long-term gain when, in vulnerability, we open ourselves up to something. And I was telling a story of, of when my life came apart about a decade ago, and the short-term costs of that were really significant and difficult. But the long-term benefits uh, greatly outstrip those, and that's oftentimes what we lose sight of. In our, our fear of being vulnerable has to do with immediate concerns, usually. <laughs> you know, immediate concerns of, of what it's going to feel like or what's going to happen. And it's we might make up stories about what's going to happen, right? Dominoes will fall, that type of thing. We make up those narratives or those those myths. And those two words can be helpful. I've used a lot of saying a lot of myth uh, making, but narrative is a word that's maybe a little more neutral. We all have narratives that we grow up with, that we live around, uh, that kind of guide how we live our lives, how what we're supposed to do or what's the appropriate thing to do next or what's the best plan in life. Uh, to get me what I need. And we battle those narratives a lot. And when they're oftentimes vulnerability comes about when those narratives are being challenged or need to be changed. And it's just taking the, taking the steps to do that. So the long-term benefits for me of finally finding that vulnerable space to ask for help 10 years ago this week and get that help was I came back to Seattle and Immediately, there was an unburdening. As I mentioned last week, the problem with lying all the time is that you become bound to them as truth. And if you have too many of them going on for too much time, they become the truth you have to live with, even though reality is something different. And divided against oneself, of course, like any nation, one cannot stand. I was free to see myself for the first time and deal with the reality of the things that I had been doing to myself and the things I've been believing about myself and believing about others. And I confronted this reality that, that I was a professional liar by commission and omission. And there's a line from a song that I really love that says, uh, it's true that a liar cannot believe anyone else. And there's truth to that. <laughs> At least it certainly was for me. And by being vulnerable and, accepting the risk and the consequences that came with it, I got a fresh start in a new place. I got the help that I needed. I met people who I learned to trust, people I could get to know and who came to love me as an imperfect me. And so that shattered my need to be perfect. Perfectionism drives a lot of what I struggle with historically. I learned to be able to admit my wrongs to others, to listen to what other people had to say, to consider their points of view to experience their forgiveness when I've made mistakes and the consequences with that. 
And in that process, I've learned to forgive myself and accept whatever those consequences are for me. And what this did was it produced value, sense of value in myself that I could believe in, value that I am enough on my own. As imperfect as I am, as a work of progress that I am, that's enough. It helped me stop focusing on the scarcity in my life, the things I don't have as often, and focus more on taking braver steps into possibility. And to me, possibility is the best of all words. Because possibility means if something is possible, you can step towards it and see if it will come true. And if it's not, there's a possibility somewhere else to move to next. So this is what it does. To get there, it involves risk and the risk of loss in order to gain and find true safety. True safety in oneself, safety in one's family, safety in one's community, safety in one's job. That's what it involves. And that's the wild thing. All of that is within us. And I do this too. You know, I look to external things. I read lots of books. I talk to lots of people. I talk to higher powers. And in the end, that's all helpful and it's all great. But in the end, I'm the only one who can make the choice and take the action to show that vulnerability and put that out there. And more often than not, even when I've been vulnerable in this 10 years since and have taken risks, and sometimes they've been, <laughs> I've, taken, I've taken good lumps for taking those risks, I have nevertheless been better off for have t- having taken that risk in the first place. And my relationships have been better off. So even though that sounds scary, and I can feel it, like I'm talking about this, and I'm the one advocating this position, I can feel all this energy <laughs> rolling through me. There is something that I think is worth remembering. You know, if you take a, if you listen to yourself right now, What are those things that you have? Maybe the secret that you have, that you have sworn you will take to your grave. The resentment that you have for somebody. An idea you have that you're wondering if it serves you anymore. Habits you might be wondering, might be getting out of control or you might have a problem with. What are those that you aren't honest with yourself about? And I want you to notice that you know exactly what it is right now. I'm willing to bet that you know exactly what that is because it's just going to come right to the surface. And if you don't, if you take a moment to breathe deeply in a quiet place, you'll be able to spot it pretty quickly. If you're wondering if these things are eating at you and bothering you, if you're wondering that, they are. They're eating at you and they're bothering you, at least in my experience. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. This is the, where I want to leave, leave this today. The good news is you are batting 1,000, to take a baseball analogy. Every single emotional challenge, every single challenge you've had in life, you have survived. You are living proof that you have survived that, as am I. I have survived 100% of everything that life has thrown at me and 100% of all the things that I have thrown at myself And here we are. So the fact is, the fear 
that we have of taking risks and being vulnerable, the thing that holds us back is not the reality of batting a thousand. It's that fear of stepping up to the plate in the first place and taking swings to follow that analogy out. That triangle, the mind, the body, and the soul that is connected by emotions running in all directions wants to be congruent. It wants to be balanced. When we are not vulnerable, some element of those three points gets thrown out of whack. And when emotions get cut off, they aren't connected. That's really what lack of vulnerability is. Is cutting off the emotional, denying the emotional truth of what is happening inside of us. And making up stories in our head about what might be true instead. The good news is, you have the time to work through this. You're batting a thousand. So you can sit with these emotions and realize they aren't going to kill you. You can take time to explore them, to feel them, to decide what to do about it, decide who to talk to, perhaps most importantly, out of the gate. So slow your roll. This is lifelong. The urgency to address these things, that thing that might be up in your head, that secret, that resentment, the urgency to address those things might feel immediate. You can work through it. You can take time. You can find help if you need that. All it takes for you to start is just to admit that no matter your exterior, at your core, you really are a vulnerable soul. Moving forward into later episodes starting next month, we're going to talk about subjects about a month at a time where truth-telling and vulnerability are always going to be central and always necessary. Starting next week, of course, we will be in February. And so what better topic to have for the month of February to explore telling the truth and vulnerability in than love in all of its forms? And there's plenty of them, not just the Valentine's Day kind. So until then, until next week, just keep chewing on all this. See what comes up for you. And chins up, everyone. We'll see you next week on This Show is All About You. Check out wordsbyjdk.com, and I will see you next week. Thanks, everyone.